Good morning. Welcome to this Eve service on Palm Sunday, uh, the beginning of Holy Week, which on the Christian calendar is one of the most significant weeks of the year, uh, certainly concluding with the celebration of Jesus being raised from the dead. Pastor Christian is going to come with our scripture reading this morning from the 21st chapter of Matthew, verses 1 through 11. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus said to two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd had spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be unto God. Let's pray together. Dear God, Lord, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for the way that you were with us all the time. God, we want to thank you for allowing us to come together, God, even in the midst of everything going on, Lord. We're still able to connect, and God, we just thank you for that. And Lord, we just lift up those who are ill right now to you. God, we lift up those that are in the hospital, in nursing homes, Lord, those that are at home and are not well. God, we just ask that you would just touch our people, God. Lord, we also ask, Father, that those that are struggling with loneliness, God, that you would just be with them right now. Remind them that you are there with them, God. Remind all of us, Father, that you are with us, even when it feels like we're by ourselves. And God, we thank you. We thank you for that presence, for your Holy Spirit in our lives. God, we just ask that this week, Father, as we celebrate Holy Week, God, as we look at your death on the cross, as we look at the forgiveness of our sins, as we look at your resurrection, Father, God, we just ask that you would continue to remind us of these things, remind us of what it is that you've done, the sacrifice that you made for each of us, God. Lord, even though we can't be together today. God, we just ask that we would still have that spirit of worship, God, right 
in our living rooms, Lord. You've said that where two or three are gathered, that you are there. And God, we are gathering. And so, Lord, this morning, I just ask that each of us would sense your presence, your spirit with us. Lord, we just ask that as Pastor Larry's sermon goes out this morning, God, that you would open up our hearts and our minds to hear your word. God, that even through the distance, your word would speak to us. And God, we just thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me read these words from the 19th chapter of, the, of John's Gospel. Jesus is on the cross. It's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. John says later, knowing that all was complete, so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar sat there, so they soaked a sponge and put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop and put it to his lips. When he had, uh, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. I want to talk to you this morning about this last statement of Jesus. It is finished. Words of great triumph. Well, what a contrasting week it is for Jesus. He begins the week uh, entering Jerusalem in a, in a great parade-like atmosphere, uh, leaving the house of Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus, whom Jesus had just raised from the dead, with a great crowd of people involved. Jesus, as we know, secured the help of a donkey with a colt in which no one had ridden before. Uh, the disciples put their coat on that donkey. Jesus sat on it and uh, began the procession of four or five miles into the city of Jerusalem. Of course, Jesus riding on a donkey was the fulfillment of prophecy. And although many people might not have understood that, the very religious Jews would have understood it because they knew that Zechariah prophesied hundreds of years ago that the Messiah would enter Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And what a parade atmosphere it was. They laid their coats in the street uh, in which the donkey was to walk on. They cut down uh, great palm branches from the trees and spread them out. It was their version of a red carpet welcome. It had to be a high moment for Jesus. Well, they shouted praises to him, Hosanna to the king. They shouted and they were saying, save now, save us now. They praised Jesus for who he was and all the way into the city of Jerusalem, a great, uh, a great to parade atmosphere. Scholars uh, identify this as being the triumphal entry of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. And for everybody in the crowd, no doubt, it was that, that triumphal entry, except for Jesus who probably knew that it wasn't uh, the end of it and wasn't quite triumphal. In fact, Jesus would die at the end of this week on a cross uh, all alone after having God turn his back upon him and, and, uh, because of the sin that he bore. And when Jesus said the words, it is finished, was a statement of great triumph, even though Jesus was probably the only one that knew it. No one else that was in hearing distance would have realized that. In fact, they thought it was a very dismal view. But... Uh, what a, what a great, uh, powerful statement Jesus is making. We've been talking about the last sayings of Jesus as he hung on the cross. Uh, six hours on the cross, seven things, seven times Jesus spoke. And uh, now it's three o'clock in the afternoon. He's been on the cross since nine this morning. At uh, noon, darkness fell over the earth, uh, pitch black darkness. 
And uh, Jesus begins to uh, talk and deal in a very different realm as if he's speaking to God himself. And it is in these moments that Jesus took upon himself the sins of the world. It is hard for us to understand that and hard for us to grasp and fully grasp what Jesus did as he became sin for us. The Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we might be made in the righteousness of God, so that we might be right before God. As Jesus embraced the sin of the world, darkness fell upon, uh, upon the scene as a sign of God's judgment. And God turned his back on Jesus. What a terrible thing that must have been for Jesus. God had previously announced that this was uh, God's son, Jesus, whom he loved and was well pleased. But now because of the sin of mankind resting upon Jesus, God himself has to turn his back a holy God on a sinful man has to turn his back upon Jesus. And it was agonizing for Jesus, no doubt, the worst part of the whole week for him when he realized that God would no longer look upon him. Jesus bore our sins so that we might be able to have a, a connection and a relationship with God. All the bad things you've done, all the bad things I've done have been laid on Jesus. All the sinful acts we've committed, all of the deliberate uh, violations of a law of God, were laid upon Jesus. In fact, that is what sin is, a deliberate and willful transgression of a known law of God. Or to say it this way, we know we shouldn't do it, but we did it anyway. And uh, it's sin that separates from God, and Jesus bore our sins on the cross at this moment, right before 3 o'clock. By the way, it was a Passover time in Jerusalem, the most uh, significant festival that they embraced. The Passover lamb would be slain in just a few moments. They believed that the sins of they committed for this past year was transferred on this perfect, pure lamb. And about 300 yards away from the cross in the temple, the high priest was just about to kill the sacrificial lamb uh, as a result, uh, believing that uh, the sin would be atoned for that year. Jesus becoming the sacrificial lamb dies at the very same time as uh, a great penalty and sacrifice for our sins. But just before he did that, Jesus lifts his head up and says his final word from the cross. He had been beaten, almost beaten to death. He had spent about the last 15 hours being brutalized by the Roman soldiers. His beard had been ripped out. He had been beaten about the head so much that the swelling probably made uh, him look like a different person. All the flesh was probably gone off of his back. Uh, thorns jammed into his skull uh, as far as they could go before hitting his, uh, hitting his skull. Uh, it was brutal, and uh, it had to be exhausting and excruciating for Jesus. But with all the strength that he could muster, he, he pulls it all together in one last saying. As he shouts, John says, as he shouts from the cross, it is finished. Uh, he didn't say, I'm finished. He said, it is finished. In fact, one word in the Greek language, we translate it into three words in, in, in English, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and breathed his last and died. And that is the moment of great triumph for Jesus. He did not bow his head in, in a sign of defeat. He did not bow his head as, as, if the, as if somebody else had won. He bowed his head almost in a, in a point of satisfaction of knowing that I have done what I came to do, fulfill the plan of God, to provide a way of redemption uh, by taking upon myself the sins of the world, the sins of mankind, uh, and, uh, and enduring the punishment of all of that. It is finished is, the, is a great, great statement of triumph. And uh, we celebrate Christ for who he was. We celebrate Christ for what he did. 
it was for this reason that he came into this world. One who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might be set free from the power and uh, from the penalty of sin. It is finished, Jesus said. It is finished. The plan of Jesus is finished. The, the work that I came to do is done. The, the atonement for sin has been completed. Jesus said it's finished. And now you and I have the possibility to live in a relationship with God that was not possible before Jesus' death. And let me remind you of three things Jesus means and Jesus is saying when he says it is finished. The plan of God is complete. The plan of salvation is available for all of us. Whosoever will call upon the name of Jesus may be saved. Whosoever believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth, Jesus is Lord, shall be saved. We know that uh, whosoever will may come unto him. And uh, because God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. It is finished. Salvation is is complete. The plan of salvation is complete. The work of Jesus was so complete, nothing else needs to be added to it. It is not uh, like versions we have on in the electronic world where updates are regularly needed. There is no expiration date. There is no use-by date or it goes bad. Uh, the work of Christ was fully and finally complete for time and for all eternity. And you can trust the sacrifice of Jesus to be sufficient for the spiritual needs of our lives. You can be saved. I can be saved. We can be in a right relationship with God. We can be saved from the penalty and damnation of sin because Jesus offered a full and complete plan that's available to all of us when he said it is finished. I'm glad that we don't have to go through an annual process like the religious crowd did in Jesus' time. I'm glad that salvation doesn't last us just a year or for a specific time. I'm glad that we don't have to keep coming back again and again and again asking for God's forgiveness and repenting of our sin because Jesus' plan of salvation is complete. It is finished once and for all. And you and I now have access to God. Not only is it complete, but it is, it is free to all who ask. One of the few things in life that truly are free. God said, whosoever will may come unto me. Uh, and the uh, salvation Jesus offered is not dependent upon anything other than his sacrifice. His plan of salvation is available to everyone. No matter where we, where we live, no matter what's in our background, no matter what we have or have not done, I'm glad that the plan of salvation Jesus offers to us is so free that it's not dependent upon our zip code or the size of our bank account, or our heritage, or our pedigree, or uh, the education level that we have, or the background that we have endured. I'm glad that it is full and free salvation to all. And we ought to rejoice in the fact when Jesus said, it is finished. God offers to you and I something that we don't deserve, a plan of salvation that we might connect with him, that we might have God as our father, Jesus as our brother, and heaven as our home. And this plan of salvation is for everyone, for all times, for all places, for all persons, for all eternity. Uh, as I said, there is no end to it. There is no expiration date. Jesus paid the price for our sins. And, uh, and we can have a relationship with God because of that. That's what we celebrate during Holy Week. That's what we celebrate prior to, the, to, to celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. He willingly gave himself to become sin for us to be the sacrifice for our sins, to pay the price for our sins so that we can no longer be bound by the guilt 
and shame and penalty of sin. We have access to God and a home in heaven. We can live fully and rightly with God. We can live a life free from the work of the devil and the power of sin is broken in our lives. I trust that you will avail yourselves of the great work Jesus has done. One of the great triumphal statements of scripture was Jesus in his last breath hanging on the cross, mustering just the strength to shout to all the world, it is finished. You have access to God. 300 yards away, the high priest was in the temple. Don't you think that he was shocked at that moment when the veil that separated the Holy of Holies was ripped in two from top to bottom? The veil that was 60 feet long and about 20 feet high and about six inches thick. The veil that weighed so much it took 300 young men in the prime of their strength to lift was torn in two from the top to bottom, not to let God out, but to let us into the holy place. In fact, the Bible says when Jesus spoke these words, it is finished. There was an earthquake. The ground began to shake and rumble, and those who had lived a holy life were brought back to life. In fact, walked back into town. It was an interesting day in Jerusalem. It was the day of real triumph. It was the day in which Jesus gave us a triumphal opportunity to, to access the power of God. It is finished is a great word of salvation for us. And I encourage you to, to avail yourself of the forgiveness of God. It is for everyone. It is free to the taking. It is for all times. It is good and valuable and just. And we'll celebrate all the eternal years in heaven for the work Jesus did on the cross, saying it is finished. It's the beginning of Holy Week. A few years ago, I had an event that uh, became uh, very significant in my life. I, I, uh, I gave a relative a car and uh, filled out all the paperwork for them to sign to transfer the title. They promised to do that. It was several months later before I realized they hadn't done that. And in fact, uh, I got a, 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 a very uh, a specific letter from the Texas Tollway Authority saying that my car had gone through the toll booth without paying the toll and uh, I had uh, a little over $200 in fee and fines due for a car I did not own. I protested it and they sent me a copy of the license plate to show that it was the car. I never realized that my relative did not transfer the car into their name. And so I became liable for what they had done. About three months later, I got another notice for another couple hundred dollars. Now it was up to $400. I was so irritated and aggravated, I didn't know what to do. I put those notices in a drawer in my kitchen and didn't think about them for a while. In fact, it was about nine months later that I opened up that drawer and saw those notices and thought maybe I ought to do something about it. It showed that I owed almost $400 for in penalty and fines for, for, uh, uh, for a violation relative to a car I did not own. I finally decided maybe I need to do something about that and went down to the Tollway Association. It was a real difficult time in my life. I had made some decisions that, were, that proved to be not good decisions. I had made some bad financial decisions and cash was really scarce for me. And I was just struggling to keep everything going and keep my bills paid. I didn't have a whole lot of money. I didn't have $400, $445 I believe is what it was. I scraped together about $250. My plan was to go and explain the situation and beg for mercy. And if they would not forgive the debt that I did not owe, uh, at least uh, they would take my $275 and let me pay the rest out. I was shocked to go to the toll association and realize that standing beside the door was a very tall, athletic-built Texas Ranger uh, with a gun on his hip and a badge on his chest and a very serious-looking man. 
I finally made my way up to the counter and it was my turn and I told the story that I had received these notices of, uh, of uh, penalty and fines and I did not own the car. I had all the documentation to show that it had been transferred over on my part and, uh, and pleaded for their mercy to eradicate that uh, debt assigned to me. Before I could hardly get through with my story, the lady asked me about the other notice and where it was that. She informed me that there was a third bill that, uh, that was related to that car. And in fact, I didn't owe $400. I owed almost $1,000, $970-something. And my heart stopped. I didn't have the money, didn't know when I'd be able to get an extra $900. I didn't know what to do. I began to talk fast and sweat a little bit. Uh, I, I asked her what happened and what the process would be for those who didn't pay their toll. She informed me that uh, the toll authority would spend about three months trying to collect it. If they, didn't, if they were not successful, they would turn that over to a collection agency, and they would spend two or three months trying to collect the, the money. And if, if they still were unsuccessful, they would bring it back and turn it over to the toll association and the municipal court. Once more, an attempt would be made to collect the debt. And if uh, that was not successful, then the judge usually issued a warrant for the arrest of the person that uh, was uh, responsible. And uh, very shakingly, I finally asked her exactly where I was at in this system. And she's typing fast on the computer and finally says to me, well, it shows that all these things have happened. You've been turned over to the municipal court and I expect an arrest warrant to be issued for you any day. All of a sudden, that uh, Texas Ranger at the door got even larger, and his gun got bigger, and I'm thinking of wondering if I can outrun him and, and how I'm going to get out of this mess, and just pleading for mercy. And uh, finally, the clerk said I need to go talk to my supervisor and went back to a room at the back of the building. I could see them looking at me through a window and figure that they're contemplating whether they're going to put me in handcuffs right then. It was a scary moment. She finally came out, and I'm talking 90 miles an hour, and she finally said to me, Mr. Williams, would you be quiet just a moment? Just sit there and be quiet. After typing on the computer a little bit longer, she said, it appears that there's been a mistake. It appears that there's been a, 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 a transposing of numbers, and on the basis of what I have in the computer and the basis of the notices, she said, I just simply have to say, your account has been paid in full. You don't know anything. The debt has been wiped out. The penalty has been uh, taken care of. Mr. Williams, you are free to go, and you don't owe a single thing. I couldn't hardly believe her. In fact, I asked for something in writing just in case I got stopped along the way and was uh, inadvertently arrested, and she didn't want to give me that to notice. She said it wasn't necessary, but I protested enough till they finally gave me a, a writ showing that uh, my bill was complete. And uh, I rejoice and praise God for his help and for his understanding to get me out of a mess that uh, I'm not sure I deserve to be in, but was in and, and facing the very penalty itself. I think about that story when I read these words of Jesus to realize that when it comes to God, I have a debt that I cannot pay. I, I have a penalty that has been assessed to me that will require my eternal life. But thank the Lord, Jesus stepped up to the cross and gave himself as a sacrifice for my sin so that I could go free, so that the penalty could be eradicated, so that I have freedom in Christ to live fully for God, and I have a home in heaven as a result of all of that. Jesus said it is finished, and in that statement, 
was saying volumes of things to you and I. Let us rejoice this week in the salvation Christ offers. Let us rejoice this week in the freedom that Christ gives. Let us praise his name forever for his great goodness to us. At the beginning of Holy Week, the real triumphant moment came at the end of the week when Jesus seemed to die on the cross all alone. But in his words, he said words of life for you and I. We can be free because the debt has been paid. Uh, it is finished once and for all, and I can have access to God. I pray that God's blessing will be upon you this week. Stay safe and be careful in all that we do, and we'll be able to join together in worship in a very short time. Let's pray. Let me pray for us. Lord, I, we just ask your help today. We ask you to help us remember what Christ has done. May we not let the enemy defeat us and discourage us, even though we might feel like we're all alone in, in uh, kind of in our houses, staying uh, uh, put and not getting out. May we realize afresh and anew this day that you came and died for us, that you paid our, the penalty for our sins, that you give us life and give us life abundantly. We praise you for your great goodness to, to us, and may we celebrate you this week. And I thank you for being able to utter the words, it is finished on my account, for I have access to you. I ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining with us today. I hope that you've enjoyed uh, this uh, a few brief moments as we looked at God's word. Stay up to date with everything DFC via our website and social media. And we're praying for you in these difficult days ahead. God is on the throne. Christ has been raised. And we say amen.